Welcome to a conversation powered by Connected Learning, where we chat with some of today's leading minds about new learning approaches designed for the demands and opportunities of the digital age. Connected Learning values the new ways many young people today access information, gain expertise, and learn alongside peers and mentors using the internet, social networks, and digital technology. We're excited you're here to join the conversation as we seek to make learning relevant. Hi everyone, this is John Barilloni, Community Manager for the Connected Learning Alliance. Today we're talking with Buffy Hamilton about Connected Learning and specifically her experience with and insights on how Connected Learning and libraries are related. Hi Buffy. Hi. You all might know Buffy as the unquiet librarian, whether from online or from her time as a secondary English teacher and the lead librarian of the unquiet library at Creekview High School. She's currently a school librarian at Norcross High School in Atlanta and was formerly the learning strategist for the Cleveland Public Library as well. So Buffy, I believe you've been a supporter of Connected Learning, you know, even since before that phrase was in circulation. So I just wanted to hear, you know, what drew you to this particular learning vision, um, both on a personal and a professional level? Sure. Well, I think, you know, what drew me to the work with this model of connected learning was my prior background uh, as a teacher and a librarian with an interest in critical literacy and learning theories related uh, to that concept, um, but also my interest in participatory learning, which, of course, is rooted um, in the work of Henry Jenkins, but also our colleagues from the museum world. And it felt like to me that uh, when I first started reading and seeing you know, this work coming out of the Connected Learning uh, Project, uh, and of course, um, UMedia Chicago, I think was really the first you know, public efforts to, that um, you know, we all were aware of. Um, it just really appealed to me because of that emphasis on inquiry and thinking about learning in a lot of different mediums and modalities, but also that concept of uh, mentors and, you know, adults and young people working together to forge these diverse pathways to learning and thinking about, you know, how, how does that translate over to, of course, school and library uh, practices and how do we expand the concept of what a learning community is beyond our you know, little entities of schools and libraries themselves, but how mm -hmm. do we truly make that a community effort where we bring in lots of different partners and experts who can serve as mentors to facilitate um, and build these pathways together. And how's Connected Learning been impacting your own kind of day-to-day -day practice as a librarian? I think that Connected Learning is a compass, if you will, for my day-to-day -day work and the efforts you know, that I'm pushing forward with my colleagues at my current school really um, is taking shape in a current uh, reboot of our own school library. Uh, my colleague Jennifer Lund and I um, are working and have received grants to redesign our media center as a learning studio. So we're in the process of transforming our physical space to support the kinds of learning activities um, that, of course, reflect those principles of connected learning. Mm -hmm. But it's also reflected in you know, our instructional design work with teachers. Um, and that perhaps is you know, where things uh, become a little bit uh, more challenging um, as we try to negotiate the tensions that our classroom teachers feel in 
you know, pressures with standardized testing and uh, curriculum maps and things that tend to standardize um, the learning experience rather than individualize it and helping, you know, our faculty find ways to disrupt, um, you know, those pressures, um, but do so in a way that I think still helps them feel that they're meeting those mandates, but yet honoring the needs of their learners at the student's point of need. Yeah, definitely a, a tough tension to deal with. And kind of speaking of the in-school space, you know, lately there's been this emphasis in K-12 specifically to have teachers kind of act as more of a facilitator on the side while encouraging, and I've heard this phrase called student-centered learning. Mm -hmm. So kind of with this growing practice of giving youth more space for self-development, how do mentors, you know, specifically librarians, fit into this picture of helping young people learn? That's a great question. I think there are, there are two answers to that. Um, one, obviously, is just the day-to-day the -day work in the library, whether students are coming independently or, you know, they're coming with a class. And I think that, you know, by reframing libraries as learning studios, um, that we can provide multiple kinds of opportunities for um, students to, you know, engage in activities that might either speak to an existing interest or uh, to discover an interest perhaps they didn't even realize uh, was something on their radar. So in that way, that's um, actually very liberating um, because you're not constrained you know, by a lot of the, the things that classroom teachers deal with. And you can you know, tap into that um, flexibility in your learning space to really support you know, that interest-driven piece of learning. But at the same time, um, you can be that catalyst then to bring in community partners um, or even other experts within our building, whether it's another student or another faculty member, um, to help, again, mentor and nurture those interests and to help you know, grow that expertise and celebrate that. So I think that's one way that um, librarians um, and library spaces can really um, elevate this model of connected learning. But at the, again, going back to um, you know, the, the work that I mentioned previously, you know, our work as instructional partners with teachers, um, you know, how do we as, you know, um, instructional designers working together, you know, how do we uh, help teachers craft those um, student or more student-centered experiences? And how do we help both students and teachers find, you know, that sweet spot of students taking on more ownership and responsibility in the learning process. Um, I think, you know, for a lot of teachers that letting go of the control um, and shifting from a teacher-centered space to one that's more student-centered, sometimes that can be a little scary, uh, particularly for teachers that might be new um, or not as confident with this model. So I think that's one way that, you know, we can be that partner to make um, that, that transition, that shift, um, a little less overwhelming and a little less um, scary, if you will. <laughs> sure, that makes sense. <laughs> and, you know, you mentioned UMedia a little bit earlier, and you mentioned kind of this, these unique opportunities that libraries have. Um, we know from seeing UMedia kind of over the course of the last few years in the Chicago Public Library, that libraries can be really great spaces for connected learning. And can you tell us kind of based on your own experience and observations, why in addition to not having the standardized learning um, kind of tied to it, why are libraries so 
uniquely poised to offer these kinds of connected learning environments and experiences? Sure. Well, I think whether we're thinking about a school library, a public library, or an academic library, um, I think you're seeing more libraries embrace this concept of acting as uh, what Brian Matthews um, at Virginia Tech calls um, incubation hubs, places where ideas can be nurtured, um, ideated using design thinking, um, and then uh, go through that incubation process to bring them to life and really work through this um, you know, continuous uh, discursive cycle of building and learning and assessing uh, different types of learning opportunities. And so I think because libraries really are starting to champion um, their work and their spaces as places where innovation uh, thrives, that, that lends itself um, to this idea of uh, libraries being you know, a champion in a community and the go-to place, if you will, uh, through both physical and virtual means where learners of all ages and different needs can come to have opportunities to grow ideas and to connect with an experienced other or a mentor. And in turn, I think what we've seen in a lot of libraries is that you know, the expertise that that learner is growing you know, through this you know, incubation process um, positions them then to become part of that network of learners within a community. Um, so I think you know libraries as a heart of a community, um, this incubation hub, I think those are just some of the qualities and roles um, that are really positioning us to be the, the epicenter, if you will, of this kind of work. Sure, and I'm really, I'm really glad you brought up that innovation aspect because I feel like more and more I'm hearing about maker spaces finding homes within libraries. And I'm just kind of wondering, what is it about these kind of production-centered, hands-on environments that are, one, so appealing to youth, and two, why are they finding homes so easily within libraries? Those are two great questions. Well, I think, um, you know, thinking about, you know, people's developmental needs as learners, particularly young people and teenagers, you know, so many of them do enjoy uh, learning by doing and through experience and in an environment where, you know, failure and messiness is okay. Um, for many young people, that's, you know, obviously a, a departure from some of their other types of learning experiences. But I think the opportunity to learn with others, um, you know, so much of learning really is socially constructed. Um, I think those are just two of the reasons why maker spaces and libraries, you know, are like peanut butter and jelly. They're just such a great <laughs> fit and they go together. And, and just in my own observations, you know, in my work with teenagers, they like having a voice and they like having different outlets to express themselves. And, you know, it's really easy. You see them in one learning setting where, you know, they get stereotyped as sometimes maybe jaded or not interested, but then they come, you know, to this you know environment where they have an opportunity to do something that maybe they didn't know they could do in a library, like make friendship bracelets or you know, do something with the 3d printer or make duct tape crafts as we've been doing in recent weeks. And, you just see a totally different dimension. And I think that the appeal of makerspaces and libraries for young people is that it really fuels um, curiosity and you know, really taps into a sense of wonder. And that's something that's just really struck me recently, you know, as we did Teen Tech Week and we've been launching, you know, some of our makerspace elements at Norcross. 
I just was struck over and over again by just joy and curiosity and wonder with our teens and their delight to see that, wow, you know, this is something else that I can do in here in addition to getting a book or, you know, doing something on the computer. I think that's a lot of the appeal to young learners. That's awesome. And I know this kind of ties into some of the things that you've been discussing in your dmlcentral.net blog posts, mm -hmm. where you pointed out libraries um, can help young people develop literacies outside of just reading. So in addition to what you've already shared, could you kind of clarify that particular statement a little bit more? Sure. So, you know, when we think about the term literacy, obviously we all have different definitions and conceptions, but I think historically when people have associated literacy with libraries, reading literacies, you know, are what come to mind. And that's not a bad thing, but, you know, in a time in which other types of literacies, whether we're thinking about digital information, new media, composing literacies, increasingly in which there's a lot of overlap or um, they really, you know, these literacies speak to each other and it's really difficult to, I think, teach them in isolation. I think, you know, now, now is a time in which libraries are really starting to step up and recognize that in addition to reading literacies, which of course are still important, there are other forms of literacies that libraries can champion and provide learning opportunities for. And if we, you know, think about, again, going back to some of those principles of connected learning, and we're thinking about, you know, issues of equity and providing a full spectrum of opportunities to participate and thinking mm -hmm. about how do we create a sense of connectedness in our communities, particularly for young people who may feel isolated or marginalized. I think, you know, having the library as a place where all types of literacies are celebrated and those opportunities to are there for you to immerse yourselves in those. I think that's vitally important if we really want to think about opening up new access points for learning and connections with young people. And you talked about this theme of connection a couple times and uh, specifically it sounds like having youth kind of make this connection between what they're doing within school and how that relates to life outside of school. And that just reminds me of, you know, one way that connected learning is being introduced to people is to say it, quote unquote, builds on those education basics of those three R's of reading, writing, arithmetic by introducing a fourth R of relevance and kind of making learning in the classroom relevant to life outside of it. So why do you think that this need for relevance is so important to today's young learners? Well, I think, you know, we live in a time in which young people have, um, you know, so many choices in other areas of their lives, probably, you know, more so than, than our generation. But I think, you know, it's human nature for, in, you know, anyone to ask, why, why do I need to know this or why am I doing this? And I think when we think about, you know, the school or library um, learning environment, and we think about those design principles where choices are available, I think then it's easier for us to help um, either scaffold ways for students to make those connections or to enable students to start connecting the dots, so to speak, on their own. So just in a, for a brief example in a nutshell, uh, when I was at Creekview High School, um, we did a three-year project called Media 21, and we had three cohorts of students who went through this learning experience through an honors 10th uh, language arts class. 
And of course, you know, there are always, you know, those constraints that are out there. But, um, you know, we were working within the standards for that course, but we were able, uh, Susan Lester, the classroom teacher and I were able to structure it in such a way that there were flexible uh, limitations, if you will. So, um, you know, we picked a starting point, a general theme. Um, so war and, you know, the impact of war was a big unit and students then had choices in texts that they wanted to read. They had choices in information sources that, again, we supported with a research guide. Uh, once students uh, made their text selections, they formed inquiry circles where um, they worked together to read through their texts, even if they weren't the same text, but to you know have regular weekly discussions about what they were reading and begin brainstorming points of interest that they might want to do deeper inquiry with. And uh, that then led them to developing uh, their own research questions, their own research proposals. And through that inquiry process, um, they learned that, you know, war is something that sometimes seems far away and isolated, um, whether it's through geography or time. But in fact, um, they learned through these inquiry experiences that there are issues that touch lives in very real ways. And for many of our students, um, you know, there were real world connections within our own community. And so that was motivating for them to think about, you know, how might their research, you know, lead to make a change or why did their research matter and how might they craft their final learning product, again, which they designed. Um, to speak to an audience, to communicate, you know, their insights and what they had learned through their inquiry uh, to a broader audience that might be, again, a spark for change in the larger world. Um, I just think, you know, choices, um, even when you have to scaffold and provide, you know, some flexible structures can still provide, you know, that connected learning experience where students still have agency and voice and making um, you know, those, de those decisions about that learning experience. And that was one of the most gratifying things to see them you know, initially kind of flounder and be a little uncomfortable. In some cases, a lot <laughs> uncomfortable with that you know, uncertainty because that was very different from other learning experiences to gaining that confidence and making really very adult decisions about you know, their information seeking task and the design work of their products and talking and connecting with real world experts and then crafting yeah, that message that they wanted to share through their products. That was just pure joy you know, for us as the adults and for us to learn side by side with them. Um, yeah, that was, and still is, that's the best part of what I get to do is to learn from the students. That's an awesome story, Buffy, and that's actually, I would say, a, a great place to kind of end on because the time has flown by okay. and we're already kind of coming to the end of our conversation. Um, before we sign off, I wanted to know uh, for anyone listening here, what's the easiest way people can connect with you online? Oh, um, probably the other two ways, um, either through Twitter and my Twitter handle is Buffy J. Hamilton. Um, I'm pretty active in that space, um, but um, I'd also invite people to connect with me uh, via my blog, which is the unquietlibrarian.wordpress.com. All right, great. Thanks again for chatting about Connected Learning with us, Buffy. Okay, thank you. Thanks for joining us here at the Connected Learning Alliance. If you missed any of this conversation or want to listen to more discussions, check out our website at clalliance.org or subscribe to our podcast channel on iTunes. See you back here for more talks with changemakers and thought leaders who are building the next generation of learning.